Sunday, May the 28th. Welcome to the Sperlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. How many of you um, have actually done something about last week's message? Two? That's a good chat. That's two people that can think of actually doing... Most of you are going, what did he say last week? What was it? I can't remember anything about it. It's been seven whole days since then. Those of you who weren't here last week are going, phew, thank goodness for that. Get out of jail free card. Um, uh, If you did something about last week, just share that with the person next to you. If you if you didn't, have a little think about why not and share that with the person next to you. Because that would be an interesting conversation, wouldn't it? Especially for the person listening. Off you go. Great. Okay, the reason I want us to pause there just for a minute is that every now and again in our journey together, it feels like we're zeroing in or we're honing on something that really matters. So last week there were seven questions for seven days, and at the heart of that was building on some stuff we've been talking about over the last uh, few weeks about our hearts and about the way we give uh, Jesus access to our hearts. And the week before, I, uh, I led you in a reflection on how to give Jesus access to our hearts. And it is as significant as that moment in 2010 or 2011 when I preached through the whole of the Bible and we learned to do soap together. Who remembers that? Who's old enough to have even been alive back then? Some of you remember remember that. And, and it was one of those moments where I felt, we felt, God was giving us something that was really important for the journey. We're in that kind of season right now when I think God is giving us something that's really important for the next part of uh, the journey. And we're going to start next week a sermon series that's going to begin to uh, unpack a bit, a bit more of that. So as we read the scriptures and as we seek to be people that are changed, transformed into his likeness, what do we need to learn and know and activate to be those people? So this morning we're going to bring this series of Walking with God uh, to a close and that will give birth to something uh, that builds on that next week and in the weeks that uh, come. Today is the birth of the church. Great, you sound thrilled. Today is the birth of the church. When just over 2,000 years ago, God started something that has proved to be unstoppable. Isn't that a remarkable thing? Proved to be unstoppable. 
And we can go through every season of history and in every part of the world, there has been all kinds of attempts to stop what God started back then. And every single one of those has failed. And that's why we're here. Because every single time that the church has been pressurized and squeezed and persecuted and crushed, there has been this reminder that what God has started, he will finish. And it was Gamaliel who said, very wise, we don't really necessarily know whether he was a believer, but not all the wisdom is in the church, is it? In fact, sometimes it's quite a lack of wisdom in the church. You've got to find the wisdom of God wherever you can find. He basically said, if these guys are part of that movement, you'll never stop it. So don't waste your time trying. Because something that has started that is utterly unstoppable, and you are invited to be part of it. To walk with God is to be part of something that God is doing, not just right now, right here, but to walk with God is an invitation to be part of what God has always been doing and what God will continue to do until we get to the end of the story. And I've read the end of the book and we win. We win. If you're one of those people, in fact, they're the most intelligent people, and I live with one of them, apparently, that read the end of the story first and then work out how we all got there. So let's worry less maybe about how we all got there today and just know that we win, that we win. Because once we know that we win, we will begin to understand how we will get there. And Acts chapter 2 is an invitation to understand how we will get there. And when God did that thing in that day with those people, God was saying, this is what I want to do in every day with all of my people. Because God's outside time, isn't it? And sometimes we think, well, God did that back then and uh, that's what happened there. What about now? God doesn't go, well, that was then and this is now. God goes, this is the now. This is the eternal now of what I'm doing. And what I did back then, I long to do now. And if I can do it there, I can do it here. And if I can do it with them, I can do it with you. And so with that in mind, we open Acts chapter 2 together, reminding ourselves... That whilst we have grown up, or at least my generation has grown up, with the Western church in decline, becoming more marginalized, the society becoming more secularized, godly values uh, undermined, under threat, completely lost. Acts chapter 2 reminds us that what God has always been doing, and what God is still doing all around the world, and that's that the church is bigger and stronger than it's ever been. That's the truth this morning. More people will come to Jesus today than at any other time in history. Think about that for a moment. More people will give their lives to Jesus today than at any other time in history. That's pretty cool, isn't it? I don't know about you, but I want to be part of what God's doing. And this is the invitation to be part of what God is doing. It was birthed out of a life of the Spirit. The life of the Spirit is, number one, have Acts chapter 2 open in front of you, just to make sure I'm not making it up. Life in the Spirit is all together, is all together. Physically together. That's the first thing about that all together. They were united in prayer, but they were physically together in that room. Sometimes people will say, sorry, I'm not with you. I'm with you in... What a ridiculous thing to say. Just makes you feel better for not coming, doesn't it? Sorry, I'm with you in spirit. What does that mean? I know what it means. I'm just kidding. 
But there was a physical expression of their togetherness. And that's that they continually met together in the temple courts as they would, and from house to house. There was a physical reality of what God was doing amongst them. This wasn't a uh, an individualistic journey. This was something God was calling them together. Were they united in so much more than just being physically in the one place at one time? Absolutely. And when we put one principle uh, over another, we miss the point. Sometimes in history, the church has said, well, we're the church because we're all in the same place at the same time. We're all in the building at 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning because that fits in with milking the cows. And so that's why we're here at that time. And we celebrate the fact that we're all together because we're all in one place. That's not enough, people, is it? That's not enough. That's not the real togetherness in the end. It needs to be expressed physically, but it gets birthed into me. They were united in prayer. They were saying together, we want to be part of what God is about to do and we're going to stay here until God does it. They were saying we want to be part of what Jesus talked about when he said I'm going to send someone else and you are going to go and do what I've been doing. In fact you will do greater things than these because I'm going to get out of the way and go to the Father. They were united in saying whatever else my life is made up of I want to be all in with what God is doing and that was the unity that they found. Who are you, who am I together with? And what would it mean for us to be more together? That our togetherness ultimately isn't about the same time and the same place. But ultimately our togetherness is about saying, we want to see God's kingdom come right here, right now, among us. Amen? Your kingdom come. Your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven amongst us. And there was that uh, growing sense together that they were all in until they saw God do something extraordinary. Every time God has done something extraordinary, there has been a group of people that have basically said, we're staying here until God does something And we're going to stick with it because we're all in to see the breakthrough that God is seeking to bring. So what does it mean for us to be together? What does that mean for Burlington Church? What does that mean here and now? What's your heart saying about what that means? And what's your heart saying about your part in that. It's easy to go, well, all them others, if only they, what's the invitation of God to us to be all in together, his mission to be extended? Suddenly, God always does suddenly stuff, doesn't he? Verse two, suddenly a sound like the blowing wind sorry, the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now, this is a fantastic preacher's verse because you can do sermons on absolutely every word in the whole of the verse. It's an absolute gift. The suddenly and the sound and the wind and the rushing and the dynamic of God's presence and all of that stuff. But I just want you to notice one thing. It filled the whole house. House, house. 
The move of God didn't begin ultimately in the end in a cathedral or in a monastery or in some religious institution or some great kind of corporate gathering. The move of God began in an ordinary house with an ordinary bunch of people. And it's a reminder to me that the move of God that we long for here ultimately doesn't start here. It starts with us in our ordinariness, in our ordinary lives, in our ordinary relationships, in our homes. Now, I realize we all live in very different environments. Uh, we all have different kind of networks and makeups of relationships with where, where we live. So we need to understand it in the light of that. Nevertheless, it was in that personal, more intimate, more real space that God's spirit first came. If we long for God's spirit to fall here, we need to long for it to fall in our ordinary everyday lives. Does that make sense? That's where it really starts because that's where it gets real. And that's why sometimes we come to church and we ask God to fill us and he's gracious and he fills us and we feel empowered by his spirit. But then it leaks right out the door as we go because we've only understood it in the context of here. And yet when the Spirit first came, he filled the house, not the church or the cathedral or the temple. He filled the house where they were meeting, around their dining room tables, in the lounge and in the kitchen or whatever makes up that place where you are who you are. That's the place first and foremost. We cry out to God and we say, I need to be filled there before anything else will make sense. You cannot win away unless we first won at home. And I, I totally understand we need to interpret that in the light of our, each of our circumstances. It began in an ordinary house. Life of the Spirit begins in our homes. Which creates massive possibilities, doesn't it? Because how many times a week are you in your home? How many times are you here? Ooh, a lot. <laughs> yeah, yes. I know how you feel, my lovely. It's exhausting, isn't it? This whole church business. How many times are you here? Three times a month? Twice a month? Four times a month? Eight times a month? But you're in your home every day. And that's where it happens. That's where it really happens. If we want this place to be on fire, we need to bring that fire with us. And that's because in those places... In the intimacy of our hearts and who we really are, we meet God in a profound and real way. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. The life of the Spirit is for everyone. They saw what seemed like tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled With the Holy Spirit. Now, a number of things happens with verses like this. We launch into a debate about what is more obscure in order to protect ourselves from the challenge of the obvious. Have you ever done that? Have you ever focused on the obscure as a mechanism for protecting you from that which is obvious? Oh, I wonder what the tongues of fire were like. And did their hair get singed? And looking at Peter's hair, better if it had. What? No. Let's not miss the obvious 
It came to rest on who? Each of them. So it came to rest on the men. And it came to rest on the... Sorry? On the women. It came to rest on those who were older. And it came to rest on those who were younger. It came to rest on those who felt good about themselves. And it came to rest on those who who didn't feel good about themselves. You with me? Now there's a challenge right there. Because something in your heart will say, when the Spirit of God comes, he'll probably come in more power to someone else than he'll come to me. It's easier to believe for someone else, isn't it? Turn to the person next to you and say, I really believe that the Holy Spirit can come upon you in power, but I'm not too sure about myself. (laughs) Come on, spit it out, people. So many of us are in that space. If God's going to do something amazing, he'll do it on a Sunday when I don't even come. Because he's mean like that, God. He'll make sure I'm not there. And then he'll do it. And so we get into all these debates about tongues of fire and this, that, and we miss the absolute fundamental obvious truth that when God does something profound, he invites all of us in. You with me? And all the stupidness that we have, all the prejudice that we have against ourselves and against others is absolutely obliterated by this move of God's Spirit. So every time there's a prejudice, a bias, we go against what the Spirit of God is doing. Now, that's not to say we're not called to holiness and to a lifestyle that follows Jesus. Absolutely. But everyone is invited to that walk with God, to that journey of holiness, to that walk of being transformed into his likeness. And yet we've put all sorts of rules and restrictions around all kinds of things that the Bible does not do. And the biggest restriction that we often place is the one around ourselves. Everyone. Everyone. And it's getting uncomfortable now in the room. So it'd be better to go back and think about the tongues of fire, wouldn't it? And what did that look like? And what color was it? And how hot was it? And uh, and did it really rest on it? Was it real tongues? Or was it just, and was it this kind of tongue? Or was it a flame? What was it? Who cares? That's not really the point. The point is God was doing something for everyone and just in case the people missed it and there's a good chance that they did because we often miss it then Peter talks about the prophecy from Joel about God pouring out his spirit on everyone the young men and the old men the women everybody all in because this is what God is doing and we need to focus on the real deal uh Okay, let's go there. Let's go there. So, what does it say? All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to teach in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So, how many of them spoke in other tongues? Or, or, sorry? Or all of them? Or all of them? Is that my teaching? No. Or all of them? All of them began to speak in other tongues. What does that, what does that mean? I'm not asking you a question. I promise I'm not going to ask you to turn to anybody else and uh, and share the answer to that question. But I want you to listen to what your heart says. Okay? So your head will have the right Christian answer. Sounds like 
a squirrel, but it's probably Jesus. Okay, Your head will say the right thing. But what does your heart say? If you speak in tongues, why do you not do that more often? What does your heart say? If you don't speak in tongues, why not? What does your heart say? Just listen in. Why not? What's going on there? Maybe you don't think it's for you. You've not been encouraged to. It's weird. You've got caught up in all kinds of arguments that have divided Christians for years. Maybe some of us just need to ask today. Later on, Paul talks about the gift of two, two types of speaking in tongues. Paul talks about. He talks about the one that's the private prayer that seems, as best I understand the scriptures, to be for everyone filled with the Spirit. It's just an invitation to pray with groans deeper than words when we run out of what to say. I run out of what to say to God all of the time. Because everything I say to God, God just goes, yeah, I know. Have you noticed that? You can't tell him anything? You're really excited about something and you want to tell him, yeah, I know. Oh, great, you know. Have you heard about it? Yeah, I know. So, so you run out of words of what to say to God. And then God invites you to talk to him at a deeper level. The language of the heart, the language of the spirit. So there's that. And then there's the other type of speaking in tongues, which is where someone might share a tongue to a whole congregation and uh, someone else or the same person might interpret it. Occasionally that's been my experience. I, I personally hate that when God does that to me. Uh, and he knows that I hate it, which is why sometimes he does it when I feel that my most vulnerable I'm kind of tongue-in-cheek, but you know what I mean. You know when God pushes you to a place, you don't. But forget about that for a moment. Just what about this personal journey? If you were longing for a deeper walk with God, and there was an invitation to communicate with God at a deeper and a different level, would you be interested? I, th- I think we all would, wouldn't we? If we allow our hearts to speak. Now, our hearts might also be saying, I could never do that. God's not going to do that for me. A whole host of things that our heart's saying, that we need to listen into our heart and hear what God's saying. But maybe for some of us, just very simply, it's time to to go, okay, I'm just going to ask. I'm just going to ask. And you don't need to look for miracles and flashing lights. just need to begin to open your mouth and allow the words that God gives you to come out. It's for everyone. This is it's so important. Don't get lost in the tongues bit. It's for everyone. Not just tongues, but what God is doing is for everyone. All in. Life in the Spirit is to help us communicate in a way that can be heard. Have you ever communicated to something to someone in a way you knew they weren't hearing it? Yes, like every day. Like every day. Because communication is so much more about who we are than what we say. The primary objective of the Holy Spirit is to help us communicate the gospel. Which is why we have really struggled, not as this church, but as the church, to find the power of the Spirit that we desire. Because our posture has so often been, I want the power of God's Holy Spirit so that I can be blessed. 
I want the power of the Holy Spirit so that I can feel good and alive. I want the power of the Holy Spirit to help me worship. I want the power of the Holy Spirit to, to whatever it might be. And actually, there's one primary reason that the Holy Spirit came, and that's to reach people that are lost. With the good news of Jesus. The mission imperative of this chapter in the whole of the book of Acts is, I think, in my opinion, indisputable. And so our posture needs to recapture. I don't, in the end, want to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that I can feel better and be somehow a more skippity-hoppity glorious Christian. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit because I want to see the people around me that are lost, found. What's that Bethel song that's got really rubbish tune and music, but it says the words are cracking? It's a shame, isn't it? Uh, for the sake of the, for the sake of the world, burn like a fire in me. You know that one? Tune's really dull. Do you know the one I'm talking about? Someone, yeah, see, Becky knows as well. I'm talking. About. We should write a better tune for that. We could do that, couldn't we? You quite like it. All right. I'm sorry about that. I've ruined it now for everyone. But it's for the others. What, 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 what the Spirit was doing in Acts chapter 2 was for the others. And, and if I'm really honest, I don't care that much about the others sometimes. I care more about me. It's not just me, is it? I care more about me and my immediate needs and my immediate circumstances and what's going on. And I want the Holy Spirit for me and my needs and my situation and my circumstances. And actually the Holy Spirit comes when actually we're looking to the needs of a world that's lost and broken. Uh, I remember Robbie Dawkins talking about uh, seeing way more miracles with non-Christians than with Christians because somehow the power of God is released when we get serious about lost people. And a few weeks ago, I talked about the, the, the incredible healings that Carrie and I saw in our youth uh, with people around our church and stuff. We saw God doing amazing things. And, and, and Claire wasn't here, and she messaged me after she listened to the podcast and said, I'd love to talk some more about why that happened in the way that it happened. And, and I think the first answer to why that happened in the way that it happened was that it was all about people that didn't know Jesus yet. And the power of God was at a different level because of that. Life in the Spirit is... To help us communicate in a way that can be heard. And it is to reach everyone. Even the Parthians, whoever they are. And the Medes. And the Elamites. And the residents of Mesopotamia. And those in Cappadocia and Pontus, Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and parts of Libya. In, in other words... There isn't a group of people, however you divide everybody up, that the Spirit of God is not being given to reach. Now that's encouraging, isn't it? Because sometimes we think that some people are beyond reach. That some people won't in the end, well some people won't obviously be reached, but that it's just impossible, we might as well give up. No, 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 the Spirit of God is, is being given and, and everyone can be reached, every little people group, every subculture, every culture within a culture. Which means that older people can be reached for Jesus and so can young people. It means that the mums and the dads at the school gate can be reached and those that are working in the city can be reached. It means that youth and teenagers and neighbours and work colleagues and all of those people, whatever, however you divide it up or define people, the Spirit of God is coming that those people might be reached. Who are the people on your heart? Who do you long to see reached? 
Who of you may be decided that maybe that's a bit too much of a stretch now and it's easier not to believe in that anymore because that makes me feel safe. I don't need to be anxious or stress about it. They're just beyond the pale. Or I've longed for too long and my heart's hard and heavy and giving up. I totally understand that. Who are the people that you are longing that would hear and understand? Suddenly, in that posture, you are ready to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I promise you, if you go, actually, these people, this person, that situation is on my heart, and I want to communicate the the passionate love of God in a way that they can hear to those people. I want to be the agent that brings good news, that brings the kingdom into that situation. I promise you, suddenly you are open in a totally different way to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Do I get an amen? Can you see what I'm saying? Does that make any sense? You're in a totally different space for that. Because suddenly you're open to being part of what God's been doing the whole time. Rather than being open to our own agendas. And something gets released. And there's always some, isn't there, that make fun. Some, however, made fun. Don't you love that? Don't you love the people that make fun? To hide their own inadequacy. To hide what they don't understand. To hide, to cover up what they feel threatened by. And so they just make fun of the whole thing. And the more that people have made fun, as I said earlier on, the more that people have persecuted and mocked and ridiculed and undermined the church, the more it seems the church of God is burst into life because it's utterly unstoppable for 2,000 years. And so we're invited to make a response. Tell me why I can't leave this message here this morning. Come on, tell me why. How many points has it got? So far. What did we say about a sermon with six points last week? It's of the devil. Thank you very much. You go three, Trinity, holy number, seven, completeness, a seven, completeness in heaven, six, uh-uh. Can't leave a sermon. Anything with six, six, six. So we've got to go to seven, haven't we? You with me? You don't want to stop here, do you? No, you did a few minutes ago, but now you don't. No, let's push through to seven. I don't want to stop here. Let's keep going. So, if that is what God does, if that is how God works, if that's what God did then, he can do that. If that's what God did with them, he can do that with us. What's our response? Paul summed it up incredibly succinctly. He said this, and he might as well have put it like this. For heaven's sake, church, be filled. For the love of what God wants to do in the world, be filled. For the sake of lost neighbors and work colleagues and family members and a lost town or street or nation, for goodness sake, be filled. And preachers do all the clever bit, don't they? You know, it's the Greek, and be filled means keep being filled. And you've heard all that stuff, haven't you? Keep being filled all the time. Yeah, we know all that stuff. We know it's a command, be filled. None of that actually changes us. What changes us is that heart posture that goes, God, I want to give my life for something that's going to make a difference. I want to give my life For what you are doing in this broken world. 
And if I want to give my life for that, I need to be filled with your Holy Spirit. Not for me, but for them. Not for my own sake, but for their sake. Not for what I want to do, but for what you are doing. You with me? Isn't that such a different place? I promise you, as we get our hearts into that place, we'll see an unleash of power like we haven't known yet. In this place and wherever we find ourselves. Be filled. Be filled. I can't resist, just because it's beautiful, the scriptures are lovely. I can't resist how we've gone full circle. Remember when we started off way back and I talked about walking with God? It was an invitation into what? Into relationship. And why was it an invitation into relationship? Because God is always in relationship. And so we entered the relationship by calling God our Father. And then we saw how we needed Jesus to walk with the Father, to deal with our stuff and to sort us out from the inside out. And now we see that to keep going, we need the power of the Holy Spirit because it's all about being in him and for him and with him, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, which is why so many Christians over the years have died for the doctrine of the Trinity because it's that important. And sometimes we've misunderstood its centrality. So be filled. Would you sit quiet with me for a minute? I want to ask you again to listen to your heart. This is part of the skills that we're needing to learn. You know what your head says probably. Your head is just there saying its stuff. Rabbiting on, speaking in your ear. You need to shut up what your head's saying sometimes to hear your heart. What does your heart say? When I invite you this morning... When I say I'm going to pray in a minute that we'll be filled with the Holy Spirit, what does your heart say? Where is there delight? Where is there resistance? Where do you think you want it? And where, if you're honest, you're not sure you do? What does your heart say? Because we need to give all of our hearts to Jesus. That's the whole undivided heart journey. What does your heart say? Jesus. And God is super gracious and kind. And he longs to fill us. In ways that I think we haven't even imagined yet. But it only move where we give him space and permission. There's so much rubbish about the Holy Spirit. He's so gentle. He's like Jesus. Never, never forces himself on people. And so how much of your heart is ready to give the Spirit a welcome today? And what might need sorting out in your heart to make more room?
going to ask Becky to sing. And just invite you to explore that question in your heart about how much do you long for his presence? Really? How much do you, sorry, how much are you willing to allow the the agenda of God's missional movement to shape your heart? Because that's a heart that's shaped, ready to be filled. Feel free to join her as she sings or just sit and reflect on what God's saying. Then we're going to pray. It says, be filled. So let's, let's have a go. Let's be willing. Let's ask him.